I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good plan. Good plan. Who thought of this one? You're listening to the Out of Sanctum podcast. Here is a moment in time in the history of the AFL. In from the side, Houghton. She was surrounded by blue jumpers. Schadenfreude levels are very high, ladies. The horns are on the bottom of the ladder. Welcome to the Outer Sanctum. It is round three. Uh, we're looking down the barrel of round four, and thus far, doesn't look good for Hawk supporters. But um, before we kick it off, let me introduce the team. I'm Emma Race, and sitting to my right is my gorgeous sister, Felicity Race. How are you? I'm good. As I was saying to you earlier, if you just turn a ladder upside down, they still work. <laughs> I love that. Alicia, sometimes, how are you? I'm sick of the gifts and the memes that are being sent around this week. If I see one more that is like people dancing and celebrating the Hawthorne on the bottom of the ladder, I don't know. I'll stay indoors for a bit. Get used to it, lady. <laughs> how are you, Katie Sia? Good. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I don't follow the football anymore, so <laughs> football's dead to you, dead to me. Lacrosse is great this time of year. Love it. How are you, Lucy Race? I'm pumped because Alicia isn't, so <laughs> I just feel like someone should be. Well, it's nice to have you here. And Nicole Hayes, how are you? I'm good. Still here. Just. <laughs> just here. Just. Okay. Just scraping, just scraping the bottom of the barrel for you yeah, all. I haven't got rid of me For yet. our gorgeous listeners. Hey, um, Katie, let's check in ladder mm-hmm. check. I'm yep. not sure. Is it alphabetized? Does it make an acronym? What's going on? Well, you can make a word this week. It's kind of a different um, of a different kind. <laughs> <laughs> Crap. Something like that. So if you check the ladder, if you combine the first three spots on the ladder with the last spot on the ladder, you get A-R-G-H or <laughs> Adelaide, Richmond, Geelong and, of course, Hawthorne. And I think actually that kind of ah word is actually quite a fitting word for the round. It was tough to tip this mm. round. Yeah, the worst. Hawthorne was unwatchable. And um, there were some more serious issues, which we're going to get into in a little bit of time as well. Before we start getting hate mail, though, can I just say that for Richmond, Carlton, Freo and Gold Coast supporters, they are still dancing in the streets. My yeah. husband is walking around the house. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> they can't get enough of it. Like They were, they were actually epic wins. Um, yes, but I had to, I had just got up this morning and, and the AFL app, I don't know if you guys all have that on, it has a a special algorithm that somehow magically knows that I barrack for a brown and gold team. And they highlight, even though I wasn't even looking, they highlighted the fact that we're at the bottom and in brown and gold. And I just want them to consider an, uh, like a fan sensitive option so that we can check out and not have it highlighted unless it exceeds expectations. Did you start? Did you, know, you used so, to ring up your friends and say suffer when uh, they were on the bottom of the ladder? Nah, or was that just me? I didn't me? need to do no, that. I was quite you. comfortable in my little nest up the top there. So, um, but That's I'm, why people hate us, Alicia. <laughs> <laughs> Stop but it. Can I just say, that is a fair point because I've had a lot of people ringing me and saying suffer. And I have, I've kind of said to Andy, like, that doesn't happen. 
Like, why why do people do that? And so clearly there are. People keep looking at me and going like, oh, look at you with your false modesty about all your previous success. And (laughs) they're they're angry that I'm coping with it okay. Publicly, oh, no. privately, yeah. I'm rocking say, in a corner. That's not how I see it, Em, but that's all right. But the AFL app is teasing you, Nick. It's so mean. I it's did see mean. that and I, I was like this, oh, poo and wee. Yeah, It needs to come with a trigger warning or something. It is very, right, it's deeply insensitive. Very least. Mm. Deeply insensitive yeah. and hurtful. Can yeah. I just say how exciting it is, though, for Richmond supporters? Mm. Like, yeah. that's an Go awesome start it. to the season and they are playing really good football. Yeah, I actually went to the Richmond game on the weekend. I took my mum, who's a massive Richmond supporter, and... I think I said to all of you at the time, I can't remember going to a home and away game where there was such noise. And there was only 43,000 people there. It was when that intense kind of storm front came through as well. So it, it was dominant. We were all huddled crowd. like under the balcony. <laughs> but amazing. Like the Richmond fan base is amazing and the volume, the excitement. Yeah. I think I said to you guys that every moment of the game felt like it was the grand final and that there was 30 seconds to go and that was there was one kick in it. You know, it was, it was incredible. A great atmosphere and I really enjoyed it. It. Do you know what I discovered this weekend is, um, I must have known because I, I didn't watch Hawthorne, I went to the rugby and I really discovered that AFL fans, for the most part, do it a lot better. I mean, the, there was there's so much more atmosphere at an AFL game and, and I really think my takeaway from being at a storm match was, I think rugby is a television game. There, mm. You know, there was hardly anyone there and people saying, oh, but this is, you know, two to three times the crowds you get in New South Wales at the games and... It just, it's very flat. Oh, you know, I think hmm. um, even at some of the really sort of, I guess, not very interesting games, the fans still get really involved at AFL. And so um, I think yeah. we're very lucky like that. Let's stick the boots into some other codes to make us feel better. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what I was yeah. thinking. Well, I, was, I, I was just going to say that I go to a lot of Richmond games because we're a mixed marriage. And I have so much fun at them because of that passion. I find oh. that they are really awesome supporter base that really do cheer everything. Yeah. Great and team song. There's something enjoyable about going and watching a game when your team's not playing. Yes. Oh, you know that yeah. freedom so that you feel? You can yeah. I go. enjoyed watching Freo this week. What yeah. an oh. unexpected. Oh, yeah. It was just delightful. <laughs> I really how, enjoyed it. How interesting too that we were okay, like able to celebrate the Bulldogs losing. Has something shifted here? Yeah, because they're the mm. new. I don't know if they're Are everybody's they... second team anymore. No, I think you have people, to take them seriously. Yeah, you're gunning now. for them. Hey, on the Bulldogs, there was one thing that happened in that Bulldogs match, and I don't want to pat us on the back, but but I'm going to and say Nostradamus strikes again because last week's episode we talked about concussion. We were speaking with Alicia Kazitsky and. She was talking about the impacts of that on a family and also what happens after people retire and how hard that can be. And also I did a slight rant about how extra tickets for the grand final should go to the fans. Things that have happened this week were Liam Pickham (laughs) got a terrible head knock, which we'll come back and revisit in a second. The Insight program talked about life after sport and 4,000 extra tickets have been allocated to fans of the teams playing in the grand final. So... Are we affecting Gil's listening, obviously. Yeah. I think <laughs> I would just say to our callers, if you have a wish list, send it to Emma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's getting like stuff a genie in a bottle. Em, could you um, say something about Hawthorne beating Geelong this week then? <laughs> Is that too much to ask? It's way too much to ask. Hey, um, Liam Picken did cop a heavy knock and mm. it was sad but th- this is when social media really gives it that other face isn't it Lucy? Absolutely I think um, it was really awful to watch and I think after I know f- I was watching that game and Alicia Kozitsky's words were kind of in my head anyway after last week and to see Liam get knocked out 
my instant thought was because his wife Annie Nolan is is so prolific on social media and is also so generous in terms of talking about her family and their the way that football impacts them. My immediate thought was, gosh, I hope they're okay mm-hmm. and I hope Liam's okay. And she posted a picture on Instagram of little Malachi who was just looking so devastated and so sad and it really came home to me how those players are people with families and the impact was just so great I guess having that little window into to the impact in their household and I think you know off the back of what we talked about last week as well we saw that Sean Dempster came out and retired and in his retiring, in, in his talking about it, he talked about the speculation of the media about how his relationship with St Kilda was falling apart and how that made a really tough time tougher for him. You forget that they're human. It's something because they're so extraordinarily amazing to watch. They feel a little like superheroes. Mm, and, yeah. and we do sometimes forget that these are real people with people who love them in the stands watching. And I think we, it's a good time to check in on that. Exactly. One of the lovely things that Alicia had said to us off air was that when her son was younger, they were in a supermarket and there was a water promotion and they had Collingwood players on, on the bottles. And he said, oh, said to Justin, said, oh, who's that? And he said, oh, that's Dane Swan. He plays for Collingwood. And he goes, no, I mean, whose dad's that? <laughs> and in his mind, if footballers are dads. Yeah. And it was yeah. such a oh, sweet story. Nothing brought home the fact that, f- that footballers and elite athletes are real people, quite like that Insight program that was on. It, the first part was on this week, second part next week. It was an actual, it was must-watch TV if you're mm-hmm. a sports fan. It really gave voice and face to the other side of what these professional and elite athletes go through. And I thought Barry Hall was quite... Oh, I, a I was really, uh, yeah, he was a revelation. And I guess because that's the code that we really love. But hearing from swimmers as well and mm. even hurdlers and, you know, people who've represented Australia and basketball and track and field and stuff, hearing them talk about the drive and the determination that they have, but then how that impacts their other half of their life. They must mm. all be liberants, right? Yeah, obviously. It's torn. Um, the Yana Pittman, I thought that was really interesting because she has, you know, she's pursuing medicine. She's studying medicine, which was her dream dream as a child and yet she still feels like a, a real pull a real tug to go back to her sport because she didn't achieve that mm. gold medal that you know she had her eyes on and that you know she understands that she's pursuing one of her dreams even now but it's still not enough it's mm. a powerful dynamic isn't it yeah it really is did you guys watch it i i did and um i think the thing that i came away from is how strongly um these people's identity is caught up yeah. in, in Mm. what they do and I think much more so than you know in some you know well any of the professions we do mm-hmm. let's be honest but also how self-esteem can be so tied to that as well and so it's such a difficult transition to leave your sport and there are a number of players who or a number of people who talked about retiring voluntarily and other people who had had it forced on them and that was pretty hard to watch I I, I was mesmerized listening to Justin Clark mm. and heartbroken because you know we've talked about his story and the fact that his football career was cut short by a terrible head knock and to really hear him talk about it and to see how devastating yeah, that is and and yeah. still emotionally how he's he's struggling with that yeah. Which ironically, he was he was someone who actually has a lot of other stuff going mm. on in yeah. his life and and really 
didn't have that very, very strong idea. I think it's, it demonstrates that that's, it's not as simple as just having something else in your life. It's also public too. Mm. Yeah. yeah, really public. I think what really came home to me was how easy it is to forget that these athletes are fully rounded, three-dimensional people with lots of other emotions and feelings and families and mm. things going on. And I think if we remember that, when we go to the game, we might actually see some better behaviour okay. from so the outer. Let's talk yeah. about what's happened this week. There's mm. been another horrific racism um, incident. <laughs> incident. Mm. And it came out of the showdown, which I can I just go there on the showdown? Yeah, firstly. Go. I feel like when there's language about a showdown, and there was a lot of talk about showdown 43, and you know, that. I feel like it hypes it and it mm. makes it something that this is just a this is a football game mm. but I think that that's why you see aggression mm. and potentially maybe that's why you see racism mm. as well at an event like that the thing that I thought had left the game was you know when you look at antisocial actions that have been stamped out of the game when you look at smoking uh, running on the field uh, drinking in excess you can't get full-strength beer, all those things have been eliminated from our game because our game is tightly held by the custodians of, of you know, of those rules around antisocial behaviour. And I think that the game has benefited and I think families have benefited. What frustrates me is when I hear people saying, you go to the football to let out your aggression. You mm-hmm. don't go to the football to let out your aggression. You go to the football to enjoy it with other people who are like-minded and you can take your family there. And I think that that's something that needs to leave the game. The belief that you, whether you are um, promoting that in the behaviour of your children or your teens or you go there yourself, I think it's fine to have a yell at the football and to be loud and to be vocal and to be passionate. But to go there to let out aggression, that is not the place to do it. And so I think hyping things up about a showdown and about, you know, this is why you used to see brawls in those um, Mm. South Australian pubs after those games. And I don't think, I think that it was actually a PR disaster and a marketing disaster. And it's also a difference between letting off steam and letting off your passion and just being completely engrossed and having a good yell, mm. you know, dack him, let, you know. It's, all di- it's very <laughs> Those kinds of things that I yell. Yeah, but yeah. It's, it's a passion. It's not aggression, is it? Yeah. I, I just want to come back to the point you're making about the showdown, M, which I think is a really good point. But I also think that we need to be careful about the assumption that there's something special about the showdown that produces racism because earlier this season in I think the first game of the season there there had been some activity on Twitter that I noticed mm. where there were suggestions that players for Sydney particularly Aaliyah Aaliyah and also Buddy Franklin had been subject to racial abuse and I talked to a friend of a friend who was at the game who said yep I heard such things really obscene language being directed towards Aaliyah Aaliyah as well And for some reason, that sort of fell by the wayside. And this is not the first instance of it, of course. That's not the first instance of it. But it's interesting. I mean, there's a long tradition. There's a kind of um, literature, actually, an academic literature, particularly about soccer in the UK, that says that soccer has traditionally been, uh, for particularly for working class men, a way to, you know, kind of express themselves on the weekend, to let off steam, to let out frustrations and so on, the kind of stuff you're talking about. And, you know, there has in some instances been a, you know, there's certainly been some violence in soccer um, in the UK. 
And that may well be an element, I think, may well be a factor. But I agree with you. I mean, it's not we all go to the football to express emotion, Mm. but not to express aggression and hate. Mm. So obviously there was this incident or there was actually several incidents. Mm. Um, Mm. To unpack that, we spoke to Dr. Sean Gorman earlier today um, to get his ideas about how to move forward from this point. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sean. We really appreciate it. Pleasure. As you know, we wanted to have a chat to you about a series of incidents that have taken place in the footy this week, some allegations of racial vilification by fans of some players. We talked to you about some of this stuff last year on our program, as you'll remember, and one of the things you'd said then was that racial vilification on the field was improving in the sense that it was reducing, but that the AFL needed to look at vilification from fans as the next frontier. Do you think that there's been any shift in the number of incidents that are taking place or is it just that these issues are becoming more visible over time? That's a hard question to answer specifically and categorically. You would have to say, and look, I've, and I mentioned this on another radio show yesterday, um, I go to the football regularly. I consume football at several different places in you know when I go to Melbourne I'm go to MCG I go to Etihad here at Subi and, and so on and so forth I haven't heard anything for probably over 10 years right mm-hmm. just personally um, I have heard of other situations with friends and colleagues who have heard certain things so to put a metric on it to put a measure on it whether it's increasing or decreasing or whatever is quite hard to do the fact that we see it I suppose still probably the biggest incident which happened in, in recent memory was the issue with Adam Goods in the, in the 2014 grand final yeah. um, where the booing and then that sort of bled out over into the next season and so on and so forth. And we all know the backstory story of that. Um, last year there was also the, the incident with the banana throwing situation at Eddie Betts um, and now we have a similar situation which has now occurred between both Port Adelaide and Adelaide supporters in Adelaide at the showdown, right? I would have to say that given my experience, things have gotten better by, by, by crowd sort of standards, I, re- I reckon. But to see these things still rearing their head, to st- still see these things when they take place, not just at the game, but then through social media and these sorts of things, which is another, another discussion altogether, yep. we'd have to say that it is still there. So if it's still there, we have to be as vigilant as we were when these things first came in or we became aware of them and what and the progress that we've tried to make subsequent to those things. Yeah. Can I ask you a little bit about progress and, and opportunities for, for trying to tackle this issue? So we've seen a few attempts this week to do something about it. There was an open letter by the Indigenous Advisory Board led by Sean Burgoyne. Yep. There have been calls by players and clubs and actually Port Adelaide and Adelaide joined together yesterday. Memberships have been stripped from um, some of the offenders. Do you think this sort of thing is enough? And if if not, you know, given the research that you've done into the AFL's approach to dealing with on-field racial vilification, is there some other broader policy or regulatory response that you think is needed? Well, I think there has to be. I think if we're still seeing incidents of it, in this regard, and you know, sadly, we see it around things like Indigenous Round, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and in the last couple of years, where there's been these little bubbles, these little flare-ups, if you like. Um, I think, I think, you know, in if, if I had a magic wand, I'd, I'd try and get the AFL to speak more broadly to community-based groups to see what some of the strategies they would use in this instance. Mm-hmm. I would get the AFL to try and talk directly with the Indigenous Advisory Board about what the best possible way forward would, 
to this would be. Because, you know, going to the game is not just about, you know, going along and being passionate and all those sorts of things, but it doesn't give you the, the licence or the right to say whatever you feel like, whatever comes into your head, regardless of how your side's playing or your best player or if Eddie Betts has kicked the winning goal or whatever and you, you go for port. It does not give you the right to say something, you know, racially based or, or ethnically based or religious. Mm-hmm. Sean, it's Emma here. We've seen the AFL this week swing into action. I think that, you know, that you went through the slate of things that have happened in the very, you know, recent past. And those incidents, I think, have given the AFL an opportunity to get this right. And I think they've probably done a pretty good job this week. And also Clubland has swung into action as well. I think it helps to have Tanya Hosh um, inside the AFL advising Gil on this as well. But do you think that retrospectively, if the Adam Good situation had been dealt with a little bit swifter and a little bit with more, with a firmer hand, I really feel like it's kind of slipped away from a really strong response from the AFL. If that had been handled differently, do you think we'd see a different outcome now? Yeah, I, look, I do, Emma. I, it's a great question. And, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? You know, and basically, you know, we're trying to get better going forward, not looking back into the rearview mirror. But I think that is a pivotal example um, of Adam Goods, the, the delay, the, the pregnant pause, if you like, of, of the AFL not responding in real time to this incident has caused, I suppose, a, a malaise or a general sort of confusion or indifference to these things for some people who think that it is OK to go to the football and do these sorts of things. We can't go back and change what has happened. What we need to do is be forever vigilant, be, be continually onto this, and I think the response that the AFL had this time was timely and measured, which is great. But it's making sure that when these things, you know, operate in the future or happen in the future, that it's done in the same way. There's a consistency to that response. And I think, yeah, go to the football and you remember and you say something stupid, like obviously what has happened in this instance, yeah, your, your membership should be rescinded. Hi, Sean. It's Nicole here. That's, that's all very well and I think that's fantastic and important that they do that. But my question is, you know, that's what's been happening already. Greg Baum um, wrote today about the possibility of introducing fines, significant fines, tens of thousands like they've done in the past for other breaches of, of um, behavioural expectations. Do you think that sort of approach might be something the AFL, something more drastic might have to consider? Look, Nicole, it's, you know, it, it's, a, it's a difficult one and I'm kind of shy away from the question at all. But it's the equal measure of the carrot and the stick. I think fines perhaps, you know, maybe that is the next step that we need to go to because it hasn't really been enacted before in that regard to, to this sort of situation, yeah? Mm. Maybe that is something that needs to be looked at on top of a raft of other things because we have at the start of all the games is what we aren't allowed to do and say and bring alcohol in and all these sorts of things. Maybe there needs to be a, an addendum to that message at the start of games to say if you are caught saying X, Y, or Z, you will be fined $5,000 and your membership will be rescinded. Can I ask you a slightly different question, Sean, and this is based on some of the research that I know that you've done. You know, one of the things that I think maybe the broader public doesn't have enough insight into is how racism and racial abuse actually impacts upon players. And I know you've done a lot of work speaking to players and interviewing and surveying players about their experiences. Do you have any insights into the impact of it that you think might help us to understand what it's really like for those players? Yeah, absolutely. Um, over the course of probably the last 15 years in particular where I've been actually researching as opposed to studying 
this area of Aboriginal sport and racism in sport and so on and so forth in Australia. I reckon, I reckon for virtually every second person that I've spoken to, every second player, whether they're a current or past player, have said something along these lines. They've said, my brother or my cousin or my uncle was a much better footballer than I was. Yeah? But what they didn't want to put up with or couldn't deal with was heading down from Darwin or from Alice Springs or heading over from Perth to Melbourne and dealing with the crap that goes on in a day-to-day sense or playing, you know, at the elite level and being abused. We can't, to go back to issues around metrics again, we've got no way to be able to determine what we've lost in terms of those great players that have not been able to participate in the game because the issue of racism and vilification was far too much for them to bear. Mm, yeah, understandable. That's a sort of horrifying thought that there might be a whole generation or generations of players who were really talented but just, you know, just are lost to the game. And that, that's, I think, the personal impact that we that we need to hear more about. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a massive loss for the game if you can't attract the best Indigenous players in Australia to come and want to play here. Why would they want to play here when you look at Adam Goods? having to face, you know, that kind oh, of end to his career absolutely. is devastating. Sean, thank you so much for joining us today. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. And, yeah, go the Hawks. Oh. <laughs> I told you not to say that, Sean. <laughs> thank you. Thank you anyway. We really appreciate your insights. It's been great. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, or who you support. Racism has no place at the footy or anywhere in our community. Together. Together. Together we are united. Against all forms of discrimination. Let's leave the showdown on the field. Not in the stands, outside the ground or on social media. Let's stand together. And if you hear something that's offensive or see something that's violent, don't stand back. Report it and keep our oval safe for all supporters. Whether Port, Crows or any other fans. Let's love the footy together. 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 Thank you very much to Sean Gorman and of course that package that you just heard was something that the Port Adelaide Football Club tweeted yesterday and it's a, it's actually really powerful I think to see at Clubland people standing up and actually really speaking out this time. I think we're seeing a genesis of the conversation happening and of course we know of education programs that are going on at grassroots level which are essential just like how stand-up events speaks about um, the need to stamp out homophobic language. There's similar programs are happening to educate children and people working at grassroots footy about being appropriate um, Mm. uh, with their language as well and around Indigenous issues. But that's going to take a really long time. Like, I mean, I have to say, if I was an Indigenous player, like what Sean Gorman said, like, I don't know that I'd be lured to play this game. Why would you keep going? Like, it's relentless. It's exhausting. I think one of the issues is, though, that, you know, where I think there's a really big problem is that, you know, and I look a lot on social media about what people have to say about this kind of language, I think there's a general sense among some people that they have a right, like we were talking about earlier, a right to go to the footy and say whatever they want. Players are really highly paid. They benefit from our dollar, you know, mm-hmm. all of those things. And so it's kind of um, people have a licence, I think. That's that's at least the perception among some people. And in a way, this kind of debate about the right to free speech and the right to be protected from uh, offensive speech in what is actually a workplace for these players, mm-hmm. I think reflects the debate that's happening in this country at the moment about section 18C. And 
I see, you know, in that sense, this is a kind of small example, mm. albeit a very important one, of a bigger debate that's happening in this country. And I think that um, it's really unfortunate that it's being seen in terms of these competing rights and that we don't have enough of an understanding of the rights of players. Because you've got the right to say whatever you want, but you also don't have to be an asshole. Can mm. we just agree on that? Mm. Well, I think you don't I have think the right. I think you don't. <laughs> I think you don't have the right to say whatever you want because in this country, you've always been, there are a series of laws that limit how people can speak. I mean, you can't defame someone, for example. So mm. we have a right to free speech, but it is curtailed, and I think mm. rightfully so. And and I think this notion of hearing more from the players who feel able to speak about it or through someone like Sean who's done that research about the personal impact is really important because we need to shift the focus about who has rights in this instance and whose rights need to be taken into account. And I think the other thing that we need to remember is that when when these incidents occur, there are other people at the football who are hearing them as well. And I think of, you know, the children who are there who may not be from white Australian background. They may be Indigenous children. They may be children from lots of lots of different communities. And how, does, how do they feel when you hear something like that? And I think we always see the trickle-down effect from what happens at the AFL down into other community grassroots football and, and other codes. And I was really struck by Chad Wingard's piece where he talked about, you know, knowing that there are, you know, children as young as 12 who are copying this kind of abuse when they're trying to play football and that can't be allowed to continue. That has to stop. No, there's lots of legal speak, like you say, and I agree with everything you're saying in brackets, don't be an asshole. Mm. (laughs) I think we could just change the name of the pod. Yeah. Don't be an asshole. Or the act. (laughs) The law. It does boggle the mind, doesn't it, when you know that you turn up to the football and you know that if you run on the ground, you'll be arrested and you'll get a $5,000 fine. Mm. You know that you're not allowed to smoke. You know you're not allowed to get nude. Punch people. But you can turn up and racially abuse someone who is a champion of the game. Mm. But this you know, is, that's, that's ridiculous. Yeah, but this is the point, though, that people, I think, still obviously clearly don't see an equivalency between the, those behaviours that mm. are regulated and this behaviour because of this kind of claim about the right to free speech and the fact that free speech shouldn't be curtailed. And as I said, I do think it's tied up with all of this stuff around... Um, Anti-PC. Anti-PC, but also players being highly paid and so on. And and to then somehow be, in inverted commas, precious Mm. when you work in uh, an environment where you're highly paid and a celebrity and so on means that, you know, for some people that apparently means that you're no longer entitled to those protections and and that you're somehow like, you know, you've got Teflon, you don't get Mm. offended by things. It's ludicrous. I think it's fair to say we're vehemently agreeing with each other here (laughs) and that everyone who, anyone who listens to this podcast Probably. is probably on board with us. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's been interesting to see the fallout from Colin Kaepernick is a really interesting um, case study in the US. Mm. Nicole, you've been following this story. Yeah, so San Francisco quarterback Colin Kaepernick, would, most people would know him from last NFL season. He, during the national anthem being played at different points, he took the knee. He basically didn't stand for the anthem. And in that was in support of the Black Lives Matter um, movement. Um, and he has since now left San Francisco. He did leave of his own accord um, and it is a free agent. But what's been really interesting is the commentary surrounding that. He's basically unemployed and the media have called him, quote, an ungrateful, entitled idiot. Even some league executives, one of them called him a, quote, traitor. And... 
I just to think whom? the language to, to whom? <laughs> yeah, really. I don't. Yeah. I guess the flag. Maybe I'm not sure. But um, and I think there were eight of different executives of, from different clubs had all said they would not go near him. They hated him. Didn't want him anywhere near their club. Now this is a man who literally just stood up for a movement, a political movement, and we've seen players who have been accused of sexual assault, who have com- been convicted of assault of their girlfriends, who killed a pedestrian in a DUI and gone to prison. These players have all been welcomed back to their clubs at different points. But, um, you know, Colin Kaepernick and another player who, um, Chris Clue, who stood up for marriage equality, uh, they have all been vilified by media, by other clubs and by, you know, supporters. And I just think the the difference in the response is just breathtaking. Yeah, I find it amazing. I've been watching the the story as well and the fact that it's now over a month since he's been a free agent and not one club in the NFL has even invited him to come down for a chat Mm -hmm. or to train or there is just there is not one brave club over there Mm. prepared to say here is a highly qualified highly talented footballer yeah yeah and these kind of incidents uh, I think apart from anything else do shine a light on how difficult it is for an individual player, unfortunately, or an individual athlete to speak out and engage with a political debate. And I think Adam Goods, there's a there's a strong parallel between Goods and Kaepernick. Um, but also, too, I just wanted to say, going back a few decades, that if you haven't seen it, there is a terrific documentary about, I want to say, Peter Norman. I think that's yeah, his yeah, name. The He's the Australian mm. runner who was the third person on the dais at the 1968 um Mexico City Olympics with the two African-American athletes from America who did the Black Power salute. He wore a badge um, in support of them and was never picked to run for Australia again. Mm-hmm. And there's a terrific documentary about his experiences mm-hmm. that I think, even though it's many decades old, actually still resonates now and I would encourage people to watch it. I just want to make the point that the in the NFL, there is no governing body that looks after these kinds of things and the teams are owned individually and players are mind from um, low socioeconomic areas where, you know, education, like the education programs that we were talking about that we see in Australia at grassroots levels don't exist. And the difference is that the AFL, when you look at Kaepernick again and you hold it up against the Adam Good situation, is the AFL actually is a highly regulated mm. body and they they can actually make the call. And so it's really important that they get this stuff right. And I agree that they're doing a better job, but I still think I, I think it's really important that the players are speaking out and we're starting to see that. But, I mean, I would support the players if they went on strike. And I know that sounds crazy and I know that there'd be backlash. And the thing that I fear the most, I suppose, in this Trump era is that the the, the – and I imagine that the players would feel this too, is the minute you start slapping fines on people for this, for racial vilification, or if you start talk about strikes, that it'll just push people further the other yeah, way. Yeah. So there's this like kind of this gently, gently kind of approach to it to try and keep people on side at the same time. Which it's, doesn't feel like it's generating change fast enough, does no, it? No, it doesn't. No. But I do feel like mm. a combination of carrot and stick is probably going to be the best thing going forward. Mm. Hey, let's move on to some silly stuff. <laughs> Let's introduce Please. a new top, a new um, subject. No, a new a new segment called Banner Watch. <laughs> Banner Watch with Lucy Rays. The banners are up for grabs. The banners are in play, aren't they? Where you know, I I think I made a call a couple of yeah, maybe a couple of months ago. I was like, them. let's get rid of them. They're done. Who they needs were. that much crepe paper? And we mocked them. But now all of a sudden, it's just a story out of the banners each week. Mm. Um, 
This week, I felt really sorry for whoever put the North Melbourne banner together because it was Jack Siebel's 150th and they spelt his name wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, I, look, I know Siebel is a little tricky. Usually my rule of thumb is if a word's a little bit tricky, I'll look it up. Good thinking, so it's maybe the editor yeah. in me, but uh, yeah, congratulations. I e except after Z, yeah, that one, <laughs> <laughs> except a, that it's the other way around. As someone with a surname that's also kind of difficult to spell, I can say it gets it, it gets a bit frustrating after a while. You think, oh, gee, no one cares when about do me, your they banner, don't know how to spell yeah. my when name. When we do your Thank banner, you. we will make sure that we Thanks, get it right. We'll get Lucy to check, I'll Thank check you. it. But there was also a situation where you know, we love Danny McGinley's banners and the Bulldogs' banners, and they were, it was co-opted by a sports betting agency last week and they used it in one of their ads and that was stinky. <laughs> That's yeah, just that was not Alicia, we're in a confined studio on that pond. <laughs> <laughs> um, one really happy story now that we've just got Banner Watch out of the way and, you know, watch this space. I'm sure we'll be back next week. <laughs> it's a red hot Scintillating segment, segment Lucy. Um, <laughs> should have a sting. Was yeah, Let's get it a sting. Totally. Right. Was um, one really happy and arts-based um, topic is that there was a new show that started this week. I don't always, I don't think AFL as a, as a key focus in screen stuff is always, they haven't really always got it right. Oh, look, I loved The Warriors. It started last night. It's going to be uh, Wednesdays on the ABC and uh, you can catch up, obviously, on iView. But it is just extraordinary. You've got Lisa McCune as the sort of PR agent for this club and uh, they're called The Warriors and they're the worst team in the AFL. Um, Sort of of like Hawthorne? Oh, is that no. right? Bam. <laughs> the um, there's John Howard, Vince Colosimo, but there's uh, a great new uh, actor, Gordon Churchill, as Makey from – he's an 18-year-old from the remote community of Warman in WA. There's a few Indigenous players. And there's this great moment where the couple of them get lost in the bowels of the uh, MCG and they watch a hologram of Nikki Winmar talking about what it means to be a player. And, oh, wow. And, and it was just really emotional and I got teary. Like Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, like Obi-Wan <laughs> Kenobi. And it was, it, it, I think it's got the balance of um, humour like and, you know, maybe there's some small teething problems, maybe, but I think it's inspirational. But there's there's wanking protocol being discussed in the... In sure. the Is that sure. a superstition-based thing? <laughs> You'll have to watch and find out. (laughs) And there's also um, talk about, uh, there's a great moment, it's just a throwaway moment saying, oh, anyone who doesn't respect women will get taken down, so don't even go there. But it's just all about sort of the PR machine about around these players. I'm loving it and it's just episode one. So I think it's a six-parter, but catch it. Here I come. Absolutely. How much would you want a hologram of Nikki Winmar to pop up every time you lost? Oh. <laughs> and give you some Obi-Wan style How life directions. Well, <laughs> this is part of the museum. It wasn't in his brain. Oh, but um, oh, yeah, I thought but... it was. I thought it was like some sci-fi element. Oh, no, no. I think that's it for us this week. Has anyone got any final business? <laughs> oh, Alicia, keep it in there. What? When football is like cricket and when players say, actually, no, that was touch. <gasps> I Sportsmanship. Know. Jack Gunston yes. hasn't kicked a goal in three matches. I'm sure that's going to turn around. But he kicked at goal and we all thought it was a goal and everyone else thought it was a goal, but he went, no, 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 it was touched. 
Yes. Yeah, he didn't. He did the Adam. He Gilchrist. did the Adam Gilchrist. Mm. I think it's absolutely he fascinating. Walked. Yeah, because it's not the only instance of sportsmanship that we saw talked about this week uh, in the golf. I know, you, mm. Lucy, you're our golf golfing <laughs> correspondent. Great. But uh, was there golf? <laughs> I took a hit for a team, the team, and watched the whole thing. And Justin Rose and too, Sergio yeah. Garcia were they were just beautiful. They were applauding each other, giving each other space on the green to get the kudos and to get the applause. And it was actually just beautiful. But I guess it's an individual sport. You kind of can do that in golf a little bit more but that Jackie Gunston thing I've never seen that before no, I don't think I have yeah, I was going to say that he was uh, intent on he he was intent on demonstrating to the umpires touched 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 yeah. you know like, and I'm I'm sure people will get in touch with us and tell us lovely instances of sportsmanship by players in their own team because I know you know sometimes we are a bit biased but we watch that quite closely I don't, I don't feel like and remember like it was sportsmanship I feel like that was just like symbolic of our game plan at the moment. Oh, like, oh, oh, just remember this week, don't be an asshole. That's Excellent the takeaway for me. Hashtag, <laughs> let's hashtag it. Thanks so much for joining us and um, let's hope the pod doesn't write itself again next week and we can get back to some usual programming. Have a great week and go footy. Thanks, See everyone. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.